Hi, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Leslie. We both work with students at LSATDemon.com, and I have the unique pleasure of actually being one of Leslie's students. Uh, Leslie helped me with my personal statement and uh, had a lot of success with it, uh, a good cycle. And so today in this podcast, we're going to talk about what is an editor, what does an editor do, what does the process look like, both from the student perspective and from the editor perspective, and how both of those kind of work together to assist you in your application process. And for me as a student, uh, I saw the value in getting these materials really tight, looking nice, and I thought I had them there. And then I sent them to Leslie and she showed me how far away I really was. So Leslie, I just want to open with you kind of talking about what is editing and what do you see your role in this process? Yeah, thank you so much, Chris, and congratulations on the success success that you've had this cycle. Um, yeah, you know, I just looked up on Google editing definition just to see what it says. And it says, prepare written material for a publication. It can also be something other than written material, but for our purposes, by correcting, condensing, or otherwise modifying it. So correcting, condensing, or otherwise modifying modifying that's kind of vague right so it can include a lot of things um you know everything from the content to the presentation to everything in between absolutely and i think when i went in as a student like i joked about i thought my personal statement was 90 percent done and i needed some help with grammar some tightening of the screws on a ship that was going to sail smoothly and I think through this process, I learned that editing is much more than grammar fixes. What type of edits do you see yourself doing to take a paper that might be below average or not great into something that's really effective by the time it's sent to law schools? Um, well, one of the first things I do is just make sure that everything makes sense. You know, if I read it through and I'm getting confused and I don't know what's going on, then, you know, then I have a lot of questions. And so... Um, we can iron those out. Some things we just take out completely and then some things we work, you know, to further edit and polish. And, um, you know, that I love you mentioned, you know, the correcting the grammar. That is an important part. It's, um, you know, I would, I would call that proofreading. So that's like one step of the editing process. And that's part of part of the polishing up and can come toward toward the end, depending on uh, how much content we need to iron out first. Yeah, and I think by the end of our time working together, and I think we we ended up doing maybe three or four edit rounds back and forth because we just kept having more opportunities with some of this content that we'll touch on in a second. But I think I came to realize that the editor role is a lot more similar to almost like a, a translator. You're trying to get in touch with what's the student's voice, what's their story, what's their skill set, what are they trying to communicate? And then what's the channel that needs to be communicated in and what are the conventions of that law school admissions channel? And how do you get from A to B in the most effective way possible that's engaging and something that will lead them to success? So as we think about that channel, you know, the law school admissions personal statement, what are some general things you think that lead students to success in those personal statements to law schools? Yeah. Um, well, one thing that Nathan loves to say is put your best foot forward. So focusing on you know things you did that are impressive, or if you don't think you have something impressive, at least something that was good, that was not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, thinking that remember your audience. That's another another one that Nathan likes to say. Um, you know, just 
remember who you're talking to. What is a, a law school professional going to find interesting? Um, a lot of times we're talking about um, things we've done professionally. It doesn't have to be be that, but that just shows that you're serious and that uh, you know talking about your career in a personal way. Yeah, just just shows you're serious and that, that you're ready for this. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was something I learned more about through our process. You know, you, you learn about uh, ways to write in so many different ways in your life for different uh, mediums. So you're, you're writing in school, you're writing for essays and things in college, and then writing the law school personal statement, something that's totally different. So I considered myself a really good writer who's had a lot of practice, got a history degree. It's all about writing. And then we get into law school personal statements, and I realized so much of what I did didn't necessarily translate to that specific application. So what are some common things you see students maybe not do well in personal statements as you're doing these edits that maybe they could look at proactively as they're writing? What are some of the common mistakes or tropes people fall into writing? Yeah, well, um, you, you brought you brought up your own. And I think so just to say that I think with, with yours, Chris, um, you know, you had a great start. You you were talking about something professional that that mattered. You know, and, and you could start to see that in what you had written. But it was finding the right details to share. You know, what is what is someone going to want to know more about? And so it really does kind of take someone else to point that out to you. And um, you know, you can get your friends and family to do it. But um, you know, they may they may be overly nice, or they may just not you know know what a law school really needs to needs to know about. Um, you know, even if you've already picked out a great anecdote to share, um, you know, some of the other common things that I often find myself changing, I'm making sentences shorter, just taking out extra words. Um, you're picking something that you know, I talked about putting your best foot forward and, but also that has some kind of result to show, um, some kind of ending, the ending, you know, working toward every the whole, your whole essay should be working toward the ending and so we need to have something that we're working toward the end of the anecdote can just very easily be the end of the essay if you know you got results from something or that there's something to point to you out of out of a story that you can tell for your personal statement so that's kind of our approach to writing the personal statement and there's it just always depends on the on the student so um, students are welcome, of course, to get in touch with me. But but for you, Chris, we're going to, I think, take a take a look in a minute at yours specifically so we can get some examples. Yes. Much to my dismay and painfully, we're going to look at my personal statement when I first sent it to Leslie. We're going to read through the first paragraph and the end, looking at what I thought was a completely done, totally finished, ready to send to Harvard, Yale essay. And then we're gonna compare how it happened after the first edit round and all the lessons learned across the way. And just for your perspective, listeners, I think this is a good exercise for all of us to do, to look at your writing, share it with people, whether it's painful or not, so that by the end you get the result you need. And whether it's LSAT study, whether it's getting your GPA tight, whether it's getting 
your personal statement as good as it needs to be. Some parts of that process will cause discomfort and pain. So this is one where I'm going to feel a lot of discomfort, uh, but we're going to go ahead and do it for uh, the benefit of our community here. So, Leslie, I'm going to go ahead and read through the first paragraph of my original essay. Try not to cringe or throw up going through it, and then we'll talk about some of the edits that we did. So this is the opening to my first personal statement. It was so late when the duty phone rang that my blurry vision prevented me from reading the tiny flip phone display. Answering the call, I heard the hurried voice of my graduate school colleague asking me to come handle a situation. Our office was located in a dimly lit residence hall basement at the end of a long cinder block hallway. As I walked down the hall, I couldn't help thinking how thoroughly unprepared I felt. Just three weeks before, I had driven an overstuffed Rusty Chrysler, Rusty Chrysler eight hours to take charge of a residence hall in Lawrence, Kansas, with a population higher than the town I'd lived in for 18 years. She was already seated and waiting for me when I entered my office. With a halting voice, she told me quietly about the worst night of her life. Three other women came forward that same night to disclose sexual assault experiences from their first week on campus. This was my introduction to a university Title IX investigation process that would come to define much of my later work. Leslie, as an editor, I thought this was perfect round one. How does this strike you on a, a first read through? Well, I want to um, say, you know, not, not a bad start, really. Um, you got some, well, I mean, first of all, you got some words down on paper, which is one of the hardest parts, or, or on the screen, I guess we should say. Um, and, but one of the first things that, that pops out to me is that that was all one paragraph, and that is just way too long. That's so much to digest. Kind of along with that, it's also just a bit too kind of dramatic. Um, we don't know what's going on for the first several sentences. We have to wait until later in the paragraph to find out, you know, why this is happening. You're walking down a hallway, you know, are you in a haunted house? I mean, that sounds silly, but like it could really pop into someone's mind. So you really just want to lay it out from the beginning. A couple of other things to mention. You say, you know, you're, as you're walking down this hall, this dark hallway, I couldn't, I couldn't help thinking how thoroughly unprepared I felt. So, um, you know, there's just no reason to say anything disparaging about yourself at all in your personal statement. Um, and this is common, I think, you know, because people want to kind of show how much they grew in the position or something like that. But, um, you know, really just show who you are today. Show, uh, you know, show it from your eyes today, looking back um, so that they can see who you are today. So um, one other thing, when you when you bring up this, the student that you're that you're working with, you know, you, you mentioned you know, she was already seated and waiting for me. Uh, we don't know who she is. You know, let's let's always define who the the, the nouns before we we switch to a pronoun. So yeah, those are just a couple of the, the main things that that popped up. But also, you know, great. Um, you know, I said great great start, but also great opportunity to expand. You know, it's uh, it it is going to by the end of this long paragraph, they are going to be curious about to know more. It's just the problem is if they get distracted before they get to that, because these are busy people. Um, they're reading a lot of these. Yes. And uh, being very kind, definitely have words on paper. Some of them are good. 
But what I learned, I think, in the process of seeing your edits is that a lot of it is sifting uh, for what's quality, refining it, polishing it up, cutting everything else. It's like panning for gold. And then once you get that that nugget, that's what you want to build around. And so I think I love there that. were yes. some nuggets <laughs> here that we we found, but there was a lot of chaff that we had to separate here, a lot of words that were totally unnecessary, right? And so that gives us space to add more content. So Leslie, can you talk about what is that process of identifying gems? What are you looking for? And then how do you refine and restructure moving forward? Sure. Yeah. Um, just going through, I mean, so you know, to talk about it from the parts of speech, the most important ones are going to be the nouns for knowing what's going on. And then the verbs for knowing what's happening. So, or, you know, so who, who's involved, where you are, and then, and then, yeah, what's happening from it. So, you're know, looking for strong nouns, strong verbs. You know, the example of saying, of, you know, throwing in she before we know who you're talking about. Um, that just jumps right out because, um, you know, it's, yeah, the, the nouns and then the verbs that come after them is, is such a big, big thing. Anything that comes across as vague, you know. Uh, that makes me say, wait, I, I don't quite know what you mean by that, then I'll ask. And if it turns out that it's some, it's a pretty unimportant detail, we'll just take it out. If it turns out that there's more to the story, it might be something that stays in. It always just depends what you write, I guess. <laughs> yeah, It does. Oh, yeah. yeah. So much of it comes down to purpose and intention. And just being honest, I wrote an essay that had grammar mostly okay. It fit the length requirement. But the purpose and intention of each paragraph and definitely not each sentence or word were clear. And really in a format this tight with a page limit that's so short sometimes, every single word has to be there intentionally, which might sound scary in writing it, but that's why we have editors and a process like this to really make sure everything that's there is there with a purpose leading you towards a goal. And what we talked about in the reading through of this essay is we want that goal to be telling your best story, your skill set through action, things that you did. So things that don't get us in that direction aren't things we really want to consider. And this paragraph had a lot. It was a lot of kind of breadcrumbing, slow rolling, like a cinematic crawl of a story that you don't know what's building towards yet. It was like the yes. Netflix trailer. And yes, that's if you were writing a screenplay for these admissions committees to sit down and have two hours to digest, then you might mm -hmm. write it a bit differently, sure, and draw out those dramatic details more. But um, you don't have the luxury of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is just one paragraph, the intro paragraph of my two page essay. So anyone listening, imagine these changes, this scale across the entire thing. And I think with this editing method in mind, by the time I ended up with a more refined, more focused two page essay, I'd probably written five or six pages of content that then we condensed further, found those gems, sifted, panned for the gold, and then put those in and kept building. So why don't we take a look at the edits that we made from this first paragraph. I'll read through that one as well. And you'll probably notice there's new content here. There's more information we're able to put in when we cut out the stuff that didn't really need to be there. The first time I helped a student navigate a Title IX investigation, I had just driven my overstuffed Chrysler eight hours to become assistant complex director at a University of Kansas residence hall. 
It was so late that when the duty phone rang, my vision blurred the tiny flip phone display. I heard a graduate school colleague asking me to come in. That's the first paragraph. So much info condensed. Tell us what you did here, Leslie. Yeah, I just put the, you're helping a student navigate a timeline investigation that belongs right at the beginning so that we know exactly what's happening. Um, you know, we still kept in that Chrysler because it's great for the visual, you know, it may not be the most important detail, but it's a great visual, right? We can, we can see you doing it. Um, and, and yeah, and, and just made this opening paragraph shorter so that we get more bang for the buck right away. Absolutely. And I think one of the great uh, things that this paragraph did is it took a lot of those gems and nuggets from that entire 11 line monster paragraph before front loaded the action right at the beginning. So if a dean got distracted, if an admissions committee person had to walk away from that first sentence alone, they know exactly what's being written about here. Whereas in the other one, they had to read 10 and a half lines before they understood, oh, this is a Title IX investigator who was doing some work, which is an amazing totally. change. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, we have a couple more paragraphs in our intro here, but just look at the density in this one and how action-loaded it is. So the second paragraph we added says, our office was located in a dimly lit residence hall basement at the end of a long cinder block hallway. The student was already seated and waiting for me. With a halting voice, she told me quietly about the worst night of her life. Talk to me about this one. So it's very short. Uh, it's just three lines long, but we're introducing someone, you know, the student. Now instead of she, it's the student was seated and waiting for me. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so we know what's going on. Um, it's action. It takes us through then to, um, for you to expand more about it, which we then do in the next paragraph. Yes, and I think this shows how a good editor still tries to capture as much of the voice and intention of the original writer as possible. And I think, Leslie, you probably identified quickly, I wanted to be a little narrative here, and I wanted to tell a bit of a story. And so you condense that story as much as you possibly could in you know, these short sentences in this paragraph to still give it kind of that narrative feel without having to be that massive 11 line monster we saw in that original paragraph. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure you could certainly make a case that uh, an intro doesn't need to be this narrative and visual, um, but it was something I wanted to do as a student and that was still preserved in the editing process. Yeah, well, and what you're, what you're talking about was, um, was, did have an element of drama to it. So it didn't need, you know, the dramatic kind of storytelling but it did need you know it's, it's already inherently dramatic so just you know making the second paragraph where you're introducing the student that you're helping very sure you know it kept you know that makes it kind of intense without having it to be you know go, going back to the the dark hallway you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> now we know what's going on and and yeah yeah so recognizing that intent and purpose to kind of show the drama and have it there but limiting it as much as you can to get the point across without overdoing it uh, certainly is, is important here. So the last paragraph says, encouraged by this student's decision to file a report, three other women came forward that same night to disclose sexual assault experiences from their first weeks on campus. One by one, I helped them file their reports too. I walked these students across campus to their Title IX interviews and prepared them for upcoming questions. 
I joined their meetings and helped them formulate responses. After these difficult meetings, I directed students to campus counseling and gender support resources. The university ultimately decided in favor of these women. Talk to me about this one. Yeah, so you know, those last few sentences that you added here, the, all of that was were things that we didn't know at all in the original paragraph, and they're all things that actually show you know why you were an important and integral part of uh, this, these people's experience and what you did in your role. Which um, you know, just every single sentence, we learned something important about you, what you're capable of, you know, your skill set, and we learned about it in the context of um, you know that that narrative of what's happening with that first night that you arrived there. So yeah, I love the details that you added here. It adds so much. Yes, and you know, wholly new content, Batman. So the original was 11 sentences with the hidden action verbs and not really understanding what I literally did in this process, what I was capable of, what I accomplished, versus 13 lines in these three paragraphs almost overstuffed with uh, verbs and things that are going on. What are some of the good action verbs in this last paragraph here uh, that we added? Yeah, um, you know, you're helping them file their reports. You're walking them across campus, like literally just, you know, being there by their side, um, preparing them for upcoming questions, joining their meetings, directing them to campus counseling. All of these are, are strong action verbs. Yep. And it's it's a little resume-ish, but in a way that has purpose and intention and built into kind of a narrative like this. So, of course, a lot of these things are present on other materials I have in the application. But to have a consistent application packet that has to be one solid narrative about yourself across all of these documents. And so being able to include them in a personal statement in a way that flows, that makes sense, I'm certain uh, helped my chances as a candidate when I was applying. Yeah, and hopefully it's actually not exactly how you say it on your resume. I mean, you know, it may be referenced that that's, of course, what you do, but that, you know, these details, I, I would think, would be much more detailed, you know, get into details that you wouldn't have shared on the resume about it so that if you can imagine that, you know, I'm reading your resume and I see something that pops out at me and I think, oh, that looks, that sounds really neat. I would love to know more about what he did there. Then it's like the personal statement is two pages of that, you know, two pages of the most interesting thing on your resume is, is one way to look at it. So, Precisely. so that, yeah, it's, it's consistent, but showing it, showing it off in a, in a, in a different way. Absolutely. And so what we can see between this first paragraph edit and the second one is Leslie was excellent, 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 not accident, excellent at preserving the voice and the narrative I wanted as a student while translating it to the medium of the law school personal statement, which should be action forward, direct, have information that speaks to your abilities and skill set. And in doing so, created so much more room for new content for me to add, which goes to, you know, my original misconception as a student. I thought this thing was mostly done like I was really done writing by the time I sent it to Leslie. And then I was like, holy cow, I am looking at one and a half pages that I need to write. But I'm able to write better once the purpose of this first paragraph is defined. Once I have this to kind of say, OK, this is how things should go. This is how they should read. This is how I should include information. And so as you edit, you become a better writer 
in that individual document. And it allows you to build that into that solid, purposeful document with intent going forward. Yeah. And hopefully it also, you know, just gives you that confidence to talk about what you've been doing that much more and deeper. Um, you know, these are these essays end up being really fun to read, you know, because you know, Chris, you're a very motivated person. You've, you've done a lot of good things, you know, as um, as many of the people that are applying to law, law school you know, are, are impressive people, but we just need to capture that in the right way and get it down on paper. Yes. And thank you for the compliment. I did not come across as an impressive people in my first draft. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way I came forward. And so this just shows the value in this editing process. So that was the intro taking that 11 line first paragraph monster, changing it into three with a lot more space for new content. So that was the intro. We're also gonna take a look at my original closing piece, kind of bookending this personal statement. So the original close I had to this document said, my experiences on campus have given me a deep appreciation of the complexities of law, policy, and identity. I seek a formal legal education enabling me to advise colleges and universities in the creation and application of policies to best serve themselves and their students. So not long, but not great either. What do you think about these three lines? Well, the thing that stands out to me right away is that you talk about, you know, your experiences have given you something and that's passive voice. We always want to be remaining active. You then go on to say that you're seeking a formal legal education that will enable you. You know, seek is active. That's good. You say you're seeking, but um, you know, it will enable you to. Um, is just to me is is not as strong as it could be. So um, you know, just really staying strong all the way to the end and staying um, active and forward thinking all the way to the end. Yeah. And so passive voice, as soon as I went into this sentence, just kind of smacked me in the face. It was so passive. Things happened to me, which then gave me a skill set. And I want some education that's going to give me something else. Right. I'm not doing anything, but this is still a paragraph that can end with me doing things. So let's look at our edit here. It says having responded to critical campus incidents for five years, I have developed a deep creation of appreciation of law, policy, and identity. I seek formal legal education to better advise colleges and universities in creating and applying policies to best serve them and their students. Talk me through this one. Sure. So we, don't, we go from my experiences on campus have given me to you know, now having responded to critical campus incidents for five years, you know, that's, um, you know, not that we want to rehash what what happened in the rest of the essay, but you know, um, for five years, that's a solid amount of time. Um, and this, it's, you know, it's so much more specific than just my experiences. I have developed. So instead of instead of they've given you an appreciation, you know, I have developed a deep appreciation of law, policy, and identity, so that it's active. Um, that shows the work. It shows you've done work to get there, and um, the work, all the work that we just read about in the essay. I see formal legal education to better advise colleges and universities, you know, reminding that we actually, you know, saw you in a, in a, in a college and university job. Um, so that this is something that you're have experience in once again, um, 
and then changing the to advise colleges and universities in the creation and application of those nouns, creation and application of just kind of awkward and sounds, you know, it's a mouthful. We change that to in creating and applying policies to keep it active. They're now, there is now active. Um, so keeping it active all the way to the end. And yeah, you know, it's, it shows you aren't, you aren't, it isn't long, but, but you're, but you're saying, um, you're making it clear that you kind of know what you're, you're getting into. And, you know, this is the conclusion that we've been building up to for the, for the whole essay. So it yeah. isn't, it isn't difficult to prove. <laughs> it's easy to right. prove this conclusion because we've been reading all of the, all of the proof all along the way. Yes, you don't want your conclusion to feel like a left turn out of nowhere. You'd like to build a narrative that kind of distills down into what that conclusion is that they almost already expect from reading your materials. And so this one, much more action forward. Uh, also, and they were all very small changes. That, mm -hmm. you know, that, so it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be big changes. Um, sometimes a little tweak, tweaks make all the difference. They do. I had a, a history professor in undergrad that uh, in my research and writing class that would be ashamed to see the way I wrote my original because he used to challenge us to write our papers with no prepositions. And the person who wrote a paper with the fewest prepositions would always get celebrated in class. And just looking at the difference between in the creation of and application of policies compared <laughs> to in creating and applying policies, it just sounds better. And yeah. so that also allows you to not be passive, to be more active in how you're writing just by looking at one of the smallest pieces of language and prepositions. Absolutely. Yeah. Kudos to that professor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Leslie and I were joking as we were preparing this episode that there are still changes we would love to make in both of these uh, segments and the first paragraphs and the closer here. And that sometimes editing is just more a function of time than perfection. You can almost always keep reading and always keep finding new edits and changes to make. Leslie, when you're working on an essay like this, how do you know when to stop? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, ideally we do just keep going until neither of us have any more changes to make. So, um, you know, that is different for everybody, you know, speaking of talking about it time-wise, you know, because if it's, it's an hourly thing, it's, you know, it's no commitment. You just go hour by hour and do however many hours you want to do. But I would say about the average that people use is about five hours to just get it totally, totally polished. Many students use fewer than that, and and you know, and a lot may use more, especially if they're also uh, developing other materials, resumes, diversity statement, addendum. So, but yeah, so you know, the first few first few rounds are certainly just very good. It can be very dense. The first couple of rounds, especially, you know, there's going to be so many changes. We're gonna, moving entire sections, deleting entire sections, adding so much, you know, like you said, you wrote probably about five, five pages of content when you were working on yours. Um, and then, of course, you know, just kind of makes sense. But as we move forward back and forth through rounds, um, it just gets fewer and fewer changes. You know, it becomes very clear. Maybe there might be a couple of sections that require a lot of work, um, saying things the right way, you know, it's kind of, if there's something that uh, presents a little bit of a challenge as to how to say it, getting it right is just such a great thing to show off because this is supposed to be a writing sample. Um, you know, I've worked with students that 
this one student was designing a, a piece for a, like a, an equipment. And so we had to describe like what it was about the piece that had broken and, you know, how she needed to design it to fit it in, um, which you know may not sound like it has anything to do with law, but it just it shows attention to detail. I mean, it shows so many things. Um, and so and and writing about it was just such a great way to show um, you know, your ability to write about difficult things that may be difficult to describe. So, um, so that's one example, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I know I've said this before on this episode, but it just always depends what you write. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I certainly could have used another round or two of edits, uh, going through here, but I can't tell you how accomplished I felt on the later rounds we did when the comments weren't, you know, you know, delete, move, shift, and they're more like, you could do this, or you could go this way, or you could make this change or that change. And it's a lot more, you know, that intent is solid, you've refined, you've got good action verbs, and you're building coherent narrative. So then you kind of have optionality, like you could steer that narrative a little bit more this way, you could look that way. And that to me showed me like, wow, I'm really close to creating that structured piece that has my voice and it fits the medium and something that felt really good for me and made me confident in submitting this, even if looking back, there were a couple changes I, I wish I would have made. You did it. Yeah, you, you have to end somewhere. And and so it is. Um, yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to know. But but even even one hour of you know working on this in a very detailed way goes a long way. So um, it's just different for everyone. But I liked I liked how your essay turned out. It, it turned out great. <laughs> me too. And, you know, it got me where I wanted to go, which at the end of the day, it was meant to serve a function and it served it. So Absolutely. I got an admission yep. to where I wanted to be. And we hope that this essay kind of gives any of you listeners an understanding of what that editing process is like and what it feels like. And then ultimately what the goals and endpoints of your essay should enable you to do and how you can use this document to really help you accomplish those goals after you've knocked out your LSAT and after your GPA is where it needs to be for the schools you're targeting. So just as we wrap, Leslie, how can students get in contact with you? Yeah, so um, I have an LSAT demon email address, Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E at LSATdemon.com or um, there's also, if you go to the website, there's a tutoring a page of, of tutors. <laughs> so go get your, go get your tutors, and I'm and I'm on there. And yeah, just shoot me an email. I can send you uh, some of the resources that I often share with people. And then um, if you're interested in working one on one, again, it's just it's hourly, so you can do one hour and you know choose whether to continue polishing your essay after that. Um, but yeah, I, again, they're they're so. Once we work on them, they're they're so fun to read, and that's what you want. You want to you want it to be easy enough to read that they read through it quickly, and then maybe they want to read it again because it was such a quick, easy read, <laughs> and if you know, so chock full of of exciting details. So that's what we're aiming for, and um, yeah, I'd love to hear from hear from hear from you guys. Absolutely. I can vouch. And Leslie, I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast episode, but also for throwing my first draft into the wood chipper so then we could start to build something after. If any of you listeners have topics for podcasts, questions for anyone that does these podcasts, email daily at lsatdemon.com to ask us questions, share any LSAT news. Uh, we want to thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. 
Thank you, Chris. 